As we prepare to hear God's Word this morning, we are going to sing uh, one of the songs from the new Trinity Psalter hymnal, and that is printed on the gray song sheet uh, in the racks in front of you, uh, the side which is number 172, uh, Speak, O Lord. You can see that this is uh, intended to be sung in unison, uh, all three verses in unison. So we are going to stand together and sing the three verses, number 172. I love those words in verse 3. Truths unchanged from the dawn of time, 
that will echo down through eternity. That is the Word of God. This morning we turn to God's Word as it's found for us in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, and we'll be reading all the verses of this chapter. Proverbs 2, beginning with verse 1, what we hear now is God's word. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver, and search for it as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness." who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman and from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Psalter hymnal to page 52 in the back section. And on the bottom half of that page, we have the one question and answer of Lord's Day 39. We're going to read that together this morning. I'll read the question. You may respond together with the answer. From page 52, question 104. What is God's will for us in the fifth commandment? That I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. That I obey and submit to them as is proper when they correct and punish me and also be patient within their failings for through them God chooses to rule us. Well, this morning in our study of the law of God, uh, we are transitioning 
to the second table of the law. Uh, we have been focusing on the first table, the first four commandments that all deal primarily with our relationship to God and with the worship of God. Now we move to the second table, our relationship with our neighbor. And while that is certainly rooted in the first table, our relationship to God, it's a little different focus. What is the place of the Christian in society? What is our obligation to those who are around us? How do we serve those with whom we come in contact? And I hope that even as I, as I pose those questions, you recognize these are really countercultural questions. The culture's concern is every man for himself. The culture's concern is looking out for number one. The culture's concern is do it to them before they do it to you. A very self-serving worldview. But yet for the Christian, it must be different. We have to have a concern for our neighbor. How do we promote their good? How do we build them up? How can we best serve and minister to those around us? This morning we look at the fifth commandment. A commandment that deals with authority and honoring authority. Now again, I, I hope you recognize that is something that, that again, culture does not want to give to us. Uh, they don't like the idea of an authority structure. Who are you to speak to me? What right do you have to hold me to account? Everyone does what is right in their own eyes, as in the days of the judges. But for the believer, for the Christian, it has to be different. So this morning we're going to talk about honoring authority, something that should be the mark of a Christian, honoring those in authority over us, all authorities over us, for we all are under some authority. Children, you're under the authority of your parents. The church under the authority of the elders. We as citizens under civil authorities. And we are called to honor. And we're called to submit. So we look today at honoring authority and the fifth commandment. It is a commandment that, that does, as I said, affects all of us because our confession, our confession says we are to honor all those in authority over me. That I honor all those in authority over me. We all stand under lawful authorities. There's this broad uh, extent of the command. But the commandment also focuses on the parent-child relationship. And while maybe another time we'll talk about the broad extent of the command, the, the authority over all of us, to this morning we're going to focus on that parent-child relationship in the fifth commandment. Because honoring father and mother this is where honoring authority begins. It begins in the home. When we see a child who is disrespectful at home, it does not surprise us when they are disrespectful in society. But when we see a child 
who is respectful in church, respectful in society. I can almost guarantee you they are respectful at home as well. Our understanding of honoring authority begins in the home because we are all under God's authority. We are all children of God, parents and children alike. The, um, the catechism was written by two men. Uh, one of them was named uh, Ursinus, Zacharias Ursinus, and he wrote a commentary on the catechism after it was written. And Ursinus, when talking about the fifth commandment and honoring authority, says that this commandment affects not only those who are under authority, but it speaks to those who are in authority as well. Those who are in authority must act honorably. They must recognize the position they have and act honorably. And we see that with parents and children. Certainly, children are called to obey their parents and the Lord, but in Ephesians, Paul warns the fathers, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. There's an obligation for those in authority. So we're going to look at, at both sides of this obligation today. The obligation to those who have the authority, who are in authority, and the obligation to those who stand under that authority. And in both of these, they help us understand our relationship to God. Because by understanding these authority structures, we see how He relates to us, our Father relating to us, His children. So first, the obligation for those who are in authority over us. There are many things we could talk about in terms of that obligation. I'm going to suggest just four things this morning. That those in authority, that parents are obliged to do for their children. First, parents are to provide for the needs of their children. And I, I want to stress that it is the parent's responsibility to provide for the children's needs. It is not, first of all, the responsibility of the state to take care of our children. It's not, first of all, the responsibility of the church to take care of our children. It is our role as parents to provide for our children. Now, from time to time, we may need help in doing that, help in providing for their needs. That's certainly okay. But the responsibility of providing for them remains with us. We are responsible for providing for our children's needs. Providing for their needs not for all of their wants. When I was um, graduating from Dort College, we had a, a final um, course we had to take, kind of a worldview course about you know, getting into society and things like that, and talked about authority structures. And I remember very, very clearly the professor um, telling us that uh, if we should marry and if we should have children, he said, the challenge you're going to face as parents is not that you provide too little for your children. The challenge you are going to face as parents is that you provide too much for them. And I've always remembered that. To be careful not to provide too much for our children, 
not to give them everything that they want. That would not be good for them. And that's certainly how God deals with us. God gives us our needs. In fact, he teaches us to pray that. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our needs. But he doesn't give us all of our wants. Because he knows that would not be good for us. He says no to our prayers for our sake. Because giving us everything we want would not be a good thing. And sometimes we need to say no to our children as well. And that's not so easy. But we have to be restrained in what we provide for them. I remember when the kids were growing up um, and walking in the house and, and going to the playroom one time and looking at the playroom for the kids. And it was strewn wall to wall and floor to ceiling with stuff, with toys. And I thought, oh, we've given them too much. I, I would challenge you parents, go home today, take a look at the playroom. Are you providing too little for your children, or are you giving them too much? We are to provide for their needs. A second thing that uh, those in authority have a responsibility for, we are to protect our children. Certainly that's an obligation we have, to protect our children. And there are really two dangers with regard to protecting our children. One danger is to underprotect them, to not provide proper rules and restraints for them. And that's very dangerous, to underprotect them, to let them go play in the street. Very, very dangerous. We are to keep them safe. But the other danger we have is that we overprotect them that we insulate them from the negative consequences of their actions. We should not overprotect our children. If, if your children are outside playing and you've warned them a couple different times, look, you're playing catch with the ball and the neighbor has that big pitcher window right over there. Be careful, be careful, don't throw the ball near the window. And they throw the ball and you hear the crack and the smash. It is not your responsibility to go to that neighbor and tell them what happened. It is your child's responsibility. Let them face the consequences of their actions. Do not overprotect them. We have friends... Um, uh, back in the Midwest, and their children of, you know, young, young age were, uh, were not getting along, not playing well with each other, and as a result, a toy got thrown at the TV set, and the TV broke. The parents didn't go out and buy a new TV. Instead, they put together a list of chores that if the children worked together, they would eventually earn that TV back. And I just saw a post on Facebook in this past month. After 10 months and 500 chores, they had finally earned the TV back. Those parents did not overprotect their children. They learned the consequences of their actions. That's good parenting. And, and 
And that's what God does for us. He allows us to experience the consequence of our actions. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we say, God, how did you allow me to get here? And God says, you knew my law. You knew my word. And you chose to disregard it. Are you surprised you are here? These are the consequences for what you have done. We learn to humble ourselves, to rely on God, knowing that, that, yeah, we need him. We need him to watch over and protect us. And that's the encouragement, that God is so willing to forgive us. He's so willing to watch over us, to care for us, to remove all of our sins when we come humbly before him. But he also lets us feel the consequences of those sins, that we might be driven back to him. We are to provide for our children. We are to protect our children. We are to teach our children. And again, I want to say it is the parents' responsibility to teach their children. It is not, first of all, daycare's responsibility to teach our children. It's not, first of all, the babysitter's responsibility to teach our children. It is the parents' responsibility. And as with other things, we might enlist the help of others. We might enlist the help of Sunday school teachers and catechism teachers and Christian day school teachers. These are all wonderful helps for us, but the responsibility remains with the parents. It's our responsibility that they get their homework done. It's our responsibility that they know their catechism. There are others that help us in that task, but the responsibility remains with the parents. Because we are the ones who will teach our children, not only by what we say, but by what we do. We will teach them by our actions. Our children will learn what is important in life by what we value. If we value the things of the Lord, if we value our time in God's Word, if we value our time in prayer, if we value our time in worship, our kids will pick up on that. And the same is true the other way. If we don't value spending time with the Lord, if we don't value spending time in worship, our children will pick up on that too. We are called to teach our children. We are called to to help them to to learn about what authority, what honoring authority looks like. And they will learn that by how we honor authority. The elders are an authority over us. Do we regularly pray for that authority? Asking God to bless them. Our children pick up on that. Our boss at work is an authority over us. Our children hear what we say about our boss. They'll pick up on that. Oh, that's what it means to honor authority. We think in the civil government, how do we talk about our elected officials? Our children pick up on that. How we honor authority, they will learn to honor authority. We are to teach our children. And then finally, we are to discipline our children. And again, we may not be too strict, nor too lenient. If we're too strict with them, we will break their spirit. If we are too lenient, It will lead to license, and they will think they can do whatever they want. We are to to discipline them properly in the Lord. And, And when we do err, we are to seek their forgiveness, modeling to them what forgiveness looks like. And our 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 catechism reminds us we we must be patient with those in authority over us. But we, we must teach our children that disobedience leads to consequences and to punishment. 
there are punishments for disobedience. And again, this is what God does for us. The Lord disciplines those He loves. When we experience the punishment from God, the just punishment for our sin, it is because God loves us and is calling us back. He disciplines us as a child that He loves. We as parents discipline our children in love, not because we don't care about them, but because we love them and want them brought back. These are the obligations for those who are in authority in the home. And of course, this this command speaks to those who are under authority as well. Children, there are a number of things we could talk about, but you are first of all to honor your parents' teaching. Look look at verse 1. My son, if you receive my word and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. My son, receive my words. Children, it is your job to learn from your parents. It's your job to learn what they teach you and to treasure up those things, to remember what they have taught you, and to obey what they have taught you. You are to honor your parents' teaching. The the writer says, be attentive, make my ear attentive to wisdom, inclining my heart to understanding. To have your ear attentive is to do it. Not only to listen, but to actually do it. When your parents ask you to do something, you do it right away. You honor their teaching. The writer goes on, verse 3, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, actively seeking the wisdom of your parents. Now, when we're young, we pretty much receive what our parents say. But as we grow older, we can ask them. We can seek their wisdom. We can learn from them. Our parents are there to advise us and to help us. And notice what the the author says, verse 5. For when you do this, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And you will find the knowledge of God. Not just the knowledge of your parents. When you listen, my son, you will find the fear of the Lord. And know the knowledge of God. We are to honor our parents' teaching. And of course, all of us as children of God must honor his teaching. He has revealed himself to us. We must seek out his word and take that word and listen to it and apply it to our lives. Honoring the teaching of our Father in heaven. Children, you are to honor your parents' teachings and you are to honor your parents' warnings. Look at verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsakes the path of uprightness to walk in the path of darkness, who rejoices in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways." You are to honor your parents' warnings. The author warns us about the ways of the wicked. When your parents talk with you about your friends, and they say to you in all love, these are not friends who will be helpful to you. You have to honor that warning from your parents. 
These are not friends who are going to build you up in your walk with the Lord. Your parents know the truth that bad company corrupts good morals. And we are to heed those warnings. Our parents are older than us. They are wiser than us. They have learned in their own experiences how things go in life. We are, to, uh, we are to listen to the warnings of wicked men. The author then goes on and kind of contrasts that to the, <coughs> excuse me, to the evil woman. Verse 16. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death, her path is through the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Beware of the evil woman. The path of the evil man, the way of the evil woman. Again, we've talked before about how this manifests ourself uh, for young people in our dating practices. Dating has a wonderful opportunity to be a blessing to us or a heartache to us. Listen to your parents' warnings. When they say to you, is this the woman who will be a godly, submissive wife. We don't see that yet. Listen to their warnings. Is this the man who will lead you in the paths of righteousness, in the ways of truth? We don't see that yet. Listen to their warnings. Kids, your parents have been praying for you your entire life. Their, 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 their primary prayer is that by God's grace, you would embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You would confess him as Lord of your life. But I believe that the secondary prayer they've had, that if you should marry, you would marry in the Lord. And I recall when we found out we were expecting children, we began to pray for those children and we prayed for their spouses, even though we didn't know who they were. That if our children should marry, they will marry in the Lord. Heed your parents' warnings. To kind of sum that up, kids, honor your parents' teachings, honor your parents' warnings, honor your parents' God. Honor your parents' God. Verse 6. From the Lord, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Honor your parents, God, for the direction of your life. Honor his ways. Honor God's teachings. Honor what your parents have taught you from the word of God. Honor your parents, God, for that will give you direction in life and protection. Going on in verse 7. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, watching over the way of the saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. He will watch over you. Honor your parents, God. What does the fifth commandment say? Honor your father and mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long. And it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now we know that this is not an ironclad guarantee for our children, but we also know this. Those who honor their parents' God tend to be spared from the consequences and the difficulties caused by their own sinfulness. Honor your parents' God that your days may be long and that it may go well with you as God leads you 
in his paths. Honor your parents' God. His teaching, his instruction. For as the, as the, as the proverb concludes, verse 20, so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the path of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Two ways. Those who walk in the path of the good, who follow the ways of God, and those who walk in the path of the wicked and are cut off from the land. God calls us as those under authority to walk in his ways. That is God's call to us all this morning, not only our children, but us as adults also. God calls us to submit to his authority, to submit to his ways, and where we have not, to humble ourselves and to ask for forgiveness. To say, God, I have followed my own way and not your way. The days have not been long. The days have not been good for me. Lord, I humble myself before you and ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. That's God's call to us today. To turn to him in repentance. To humble ourselves before our Father, our Father who is in heaven. To honor the authority structure he has put in creation. The authority structure he himself structure he himself models for us we have the blessing of seeing that authority in our homes as parents those who are in authority as children those who are under authority and all of us who know the the wonderful blessing of being children of god those called into a family relationship with him oh may god help us to honor that great authority Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your word. A word which is right, a word which is true, a word which has been true and always will be true. You yourself have placed authority in creation around us. The structures of those who are in authority, those who are under authority. We recognize, Lord God, we fill different roles at different times in our lives. And yet we also recognize all of us must submit to you. Help us as those who are in authority roles to do so honorably, to honor you in that authority position. And help us who are under authority to do so honorably and to honor you in that position as well. And in all of this, O oh God, may you receive all the glory and the honor and the praise. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.